Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Well, you all are um, one of the pictures of the church in the Bible is uh, the church as an army. So um, I'm going to have you, you were at ease, now I'd like you to stand up right now, (laughs) because there's something I want us to fight about in prayer for our nation as the Supreme Court is weighing out these vaccine mandates and really freedom, the First Amendment. Um, So I feel like I want us to pray for we did it back in the election. I want to pray that the Lord would reveal. All, what we want is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We want the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So would you agree with me right now? Let's just, just right now, just pray in your spirit right now. Father, we take our stand. Just pray out loud. Just call upon the Lord. Lord, as the army of God. In the unity, in the worship, Lord, you, you also call us to take up arms in prayer. We battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and uh, rulers of darkness of this age. So, Lord, we take our stand before your glorious throne, calling upon you to, to go forth and bring forth truth. We declare over the nine justices of the Supreme Court, we declare anointing of courage... And revelation and releasing anointing of clarity, courage and clarity cause the issues that are from you, Lord, to rise up and cause the others to pale in comparison. We declare this now, Lord, may this nation, Lord, end abortion. Lord, send revival to our nation. We will not sit idly by. We will take our stand as this church, the prayer room on earth, Lord, is your seat of governmental authority from heaven on earth. So, Lord, we declare it now. We declare thank you, Lord, for hearing and moving on our prayers of agreement in Jesus' name. Let's clap to the Lord. Let's clap. Let's thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. At ease. At ease. Amen. If you don't have the notes, I think a number of you got notes. If you don't, if you could raise your hand for those. Um, yeah. Well, we've prayed. I'm going to continue now to flow into this. A few weeks ago in prayer, it was before a Sunday morning, and I felt like the Lord reminded me of an encounter I had with him back 27 years ago in 1995. And it's really interesting because of all, all this time, I've, I don't think I've ever shared this with the church. Maybe I did. I don't remember what this was, but this is one of a handful, I would call, of life-altering encounters with the Lord that has majorly changed my life and shifted things and priorities in affecting my life. So I felt led to share this in this first month of the year because hopefully uh, the Lord will use this and this word today to encourage us as we go into this new year to, to go through this year with greater focus and greater fruitfulness. So that's why I'm, I'm sharing this. In 1995, 
I was uh, attending a Bible conference in Orlando, Florida. It was called the Congress of the Holy Spirit. And um, our church staff in East Texas uh, was, uh, all went to this conference. And uh, it was also a family trip. We went to Disney World and, and Universal afterwards. Uh, but there were wonderful speakers at this conference. Benny Hinn was there, uh, Jack Hayford, and Reinhard Bonnke was there. How many of you know Reinhard Bonnke? Can you show him up there? He, uh, he's the, the, the famous and really famous before the Lord. Are you still looking for notes? Oh, you're just extra notes? Okay, you just, yeah. So he, um, German evangelist called to the continent of Africa. And I'm telling you, oof, he... I saw a video of, of him on 700 Club back in the 80s. He would preach to over a million people a number of times in Africa. In this video, he would, you know, with a million people, he was very, you know, emotive. And he, he'd say, the Holy Spirit, I can't do a German accent, but he'd say, the Holy Spirit is going to come on the count of three and fill you with the Spirit but he wasn't, it was like intentionally not going to manipulate. He just said that. And on the count of two, he said, one, two. And then on the video, I'm watching this thing, 10 to 15,000 people within the scope of the camera lens all just went, whoosh. they all just fell over like, like 15,000 bowling pins just went. And, and that's the kind of anointing that at times the power of the Spirit that Reinhard Bonnke would carry. And so I get to be in this afternoon session, like a, a hotel ballroom while he's teaching and preaching. And I, honestly, I don't remember the topic of what he shared. All I know is when he finished preaching and after the response time, I couldn't leave the room. I was so overcome. I was so gripped by what the Lord was doing. I just kind of collapsed in my chair with my head toward the back seat of the chair, and I began to weep, and I just kept weeping, and at that point, I felt like the Lord, I had the sense that the Lord was confronting me with a choice for my life, that there were two paths that I could choose to go on. Path A, and path B. And path A was wholehearted obedience to Jesus. Path B was obedience to Jesus according to the westernized, watered-down version of obedience to Jesus. And um, I pictured myself at the end of my life standing before the Lord at the judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And Hebrews 9.27 says this. It says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so that's, you know, we've all missed appointments. If you can show that verse up there. It says, it's appointed to man. Every human being, there's an appointment we're not going to miss. We will make that appointment once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so... While I'm in this hotel ballroom, at the, I sat more toward the back, and most, most of the people were leaving in like a normal, awesome time, but I'm just sitting there in, in the chair, and I had this picture that I was 
uh, at the end of my life standing before the Lord. I knew I wasn't, but that's what I saw. And I had the impression that I was at the judgment seat. And judgment, by the way, means evaluation. Okay, so I was before the Lord, standing before him, locking eyes with Jesus. And I had the sense that there were many things in my life that I had already done that were like what the Bible describes as wood, hay, and straw. 1 Corinthians 3 describes this. It's, now, I was 35 at the time. I'd been a Christian 19 years. I'd been a pastor for 16 years. And I'm standing before the Lord in this, in this encounter, and I'm there before him, and I see this pile, this large pile of wood, hay, and straw. Now, wood, hay, and straw, according to 1 Corinthians 3, are the deeds that we've done where we didn't love Jesus when we did them. We, we did them not in obedience to Jesus. And so I'm standing before him, this big pile of wood, hay, and straw, and then I'm looking there, and I saw out of the corner of my eye, it was all burning up. And I looked over, and I began to weep even harder. And I realized that I was, I was actually shocked because a lot of the things that I thought were pretty good were burning up. And you know, when you're at a time like that, you can't argue with Jesus. You're not, I mean, there's no information I could bring Jesus to change his mind. So I knew it was true. And I had the awareness that up to that point, <clears throat> pastor for 16 years, I was walking on path B on that compromise track. And so in that state, I felt like the Lord graciously let me know as I'm weeping, Glenn, there's still time to change. There's still time to get off path B and get on path A, that I could change the trajectory of my life. And I made that choice that day, and I still wept, and you know, it was kind of, it was really strange, because for three days off and on, I cried. Kyle, you shared about tears a few weeks ago, and here we are at Disney World, and you know, Mickey Mouse, and you know, in between me wondering why everything costs so much, I was... <laughs> I wasn't crying because it cost so much, but I'd kind of go around the corner, and, and that was just the Lord had gripped me. It was tears of regret, because up to that point at age 35, there was so much of my life that had been wasted. And so I made that decision. I recommitted to living on path A, and now over these many years, I've wandered, I've, but I signed back up wandered and I signed back up. And I believe the Lord, there's a grace today. I, I don't want to stand before the Lord on that day with a big mountain of regret. I know there's going to be some regret, but I want there to be more joy than regret on that day. And I want that for you too. So I'm sharing this today because I, <clears throat> I believe there's a grace on us as a church in this new year to walk 
on path A to walk living a life of wholehearted dedication according to what the Word of God describes is dedication and obedience, not according to what the Western church describes as dedication and obedience. And God will help us if we'll say yes. Paragraph 2, or Roman numeral 2, one day we will all stand before that glorious man, Christ Jesus. We will stand before those of us who are believers. There's another judgment for unbelievers. But one day we will stand before the Lord, and whatever he is thinking about us at that moment is the most important thing about our life. Even now, it's the most important thing about our life. The most important thing about how we live our days now is what he thinks about us then. What he thinks about us, the words he will speak to us at that moment before him are the most important words I'm ever going to hear. And so it's, it's really changed how I live my life from that time on. I felt like it was the mercy of God giving me a chance to not waste the next X number of years kind of just living for self-promotion, out of ambition, for the applause of men, all, the, all those kind of things. And, <clears throat> and I know he really will help us. He's running after us, as we sang today. So I have a, a kind of a life motto that I've said off and on over the years, and it's a prayer I've prayed. And, and to be honest, it's kind of drifted out of my prayer vocabulary, but I'm bringing it back up this year. And I say, it's this, Lord, would you let me live today with one eye on the judgment seat? I want to live before your eyes. I want to be ready for that day. And Justin Rizzo, a, um, a worship leader in the International House of Prayer, he has a song called Faithful. And he says, I want to live before your eyes. I want to stay before your gaze. Just keep me steady. Just keep me steady. I want to be found faithful. I want to be found steady. I want to be found faithful to the end. And that's what saying, Lord, help me to live with one eye on the judgment seat's all about. It's living with eternity in mind. I included a prayer in your notes that just might help you. I'll just read it, but if later on you can take it and pray it. Pray your own prayer. Lord, let me live today with one eye on the judgment seat, with eternity in mind, so that when I lock eyes with you on that day, I will have the least amount of regret and the greatest amount of joy when my life is examined and evaluated. Determining to live each day with one eye on the judgment seat has caused me to reassess and reevaluate how I process so many things. It's caused me to reassess temptation differently because I'm going to give an account. Failure differently. Obstacles differently. Accusations against me differently. Disappointments that I face differently. 
causing this to be one eye that I'm living before his eyes helps me and strengthens me to respond rightly to all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. Because I'm going to have an account. We're all going to lock eyes with him one day. And what he's thinking at that moment, I mean, I'm living for, what are you going to, what's going to, what's going to go through your mind? Now, I want to, it's actually good news. The, the judgment's actually mostly good, okay? So don't get up and, you know, that's a bummer message. It's actually a, a good thing. So, uh, and we'll get right to it. Roman numeral three, Romans 14, 10 and 12 says this. It says, Paul says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, verse 12, then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now you think, oh no, give an account. All right, let's see your papers, you know. It's actually the Greek word there. Greek is the original language of the New Testament. The Greek word there is bima seat. That's really important because Paul uses that term for judgment seat because he knew that the people in the ancient world who were hearing this, they would read these letters to the churches, the people that were hearing this knew exactly what the Bema Seat was. The Bema Seat was a place of reward, not penalty. The Bema Seat was where the judges at the Olympic Games would evaluate the athletic contests. And so... They were the judges, if you'd show this picture, they were the, the judges who sat at the table. It was an elevated table, a raised platform, and they would sit at the Bema seat. So that was what they, when they thought of, Olympic Games Bema seat. And they would, uh, they would together, the, the athletes would come before them, and they'd hand out the medals, which today would be the gold medal or the silver medal. Or the bronze medal. So the Bema seat, and I've taught this, in my view, later, I've kind of, you have progressive light. I've taught it wrong. The Bema seat really wasn't a courtroom where a judge handed out jail sentences. I knew he wasn't handing out jail sentences, but it wasn't a courtroom where the judge would hand out jail sentences or issue economic penalties or fines. The Bema seat was where the judges handed out trophies. Anybody ever been to like your little league trophy, you know, awards night and you walk in and there's this table of trophies and you're like, whoa, which one? What am I going to get? Of course, every, these days everybody gets a trophy. Sorry. <laughs> well, the illustration breaks down for some. Now start preaching. But it's the, it's, it's the place where judges hand out trophy. It's that paragraph B there under Roman numeral, I don't even know where I am, Roman numeral three. It's a positive thing. Paul's saying we'll all stand before the award panel. It's not a time to be afraid. It's a time to be excited. It's a time, to, you know, to, to realize and think about the, you know, what remarkable possibilities for all of your lives right now. I don't know how, how old, how many more years you have. Think of the possibilities with every day you wake up. That's, that's what the Bema Seat's about. It's a good thing. 
You know, if you talk to an Olympic medalist back in the ancient times, yeah, if you can keep that up, that's great, because that's really helping. And you say to that Olympic medalist, how did you feel when you stood before the beam? If you could go back and ask them, they'd say, oh, man, it was an amazing day. It was, it was fantastic. I, I mean, I was, it was a great moment in my life. You know, they wouldn't say, yeah, I got before and I was afraid they'd send me to prison. It's not what they would do. I just, yeah, you got that picture up there. I'm, could someone get me a cup of water from out there? I don't, I don't want a bottle. I'd like a cup from out there. Thank you. I, just wanna, I don't want to open a bottle. All right. So, thank you. Um, but Paul says it's going to be a day of great privilege and great rewards, what he's saying. Where you give an account to the Lord... We're all going to give an account for what he's entrusted to us. But you don't want to be flippant or casual about it. You want to be sober about it because you want to have the fullness of what God ordained for you, the full response of the heart. Thank you. Excuse me. We can all get excited about the Bema seat because if you give somebody a cup of cool water in the name of Jesus, that was planned and contrived and you fell right into it. Thank you. But it's actually really good water. It's a cup of cool water. It's purified. It's double charcoal filtered and free range. And Gluten-free. Non-HMO, wait, is that right? Is that a thing? All right, I'm stopping. But we can, get, we can all get excited about the Bema seat because if you give somebody a cup of cool water in his name, he says, I will remember that forever. You will not go unrewarded. Look at that. That's his, this is the Passion Translation, Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives a cup of cold water, Mari, to one of my disciples, me, I promise you, she will not go unrewarded. Now, this is, this is really, it's really good news. It seems so insignificant, some of the things we do when we think about our life. And we know the devil's trying to pile on and tell us we're not the things we're doing. But Jesus points that out. That it's those small acts of obedience. Most of them are small. Most of them are not the huge, big things. They're, they're small acts of obedience. And, and so here, paragraph C, here's what eternal rewards are. It said, and this is... Eternal rewards on that day are how Jesus will express how he feels about the way you loved him in this life. The trophy is how he feels about you. It's not like a football letter jacket with all the patches where you strut around heaven and go, yeah. It's... You know, when you spent 30 minutes to talk to that person who was lonely, who needed counsel, 
that moved me. Here, I want you to know that. It's the award panel. It's the things we do. The little choices we make because we love the Lord and we did it out of our devotion to him. And Jesus says, I will remember that. I will express to you on that day how I felt about those thousands and thousands of small acts of obedience. Those are the trophies. How his heart was moved by our yes. I put a couple down this morning. Some of the things here. Try to get through this. Some of the trophies that so many in here are going to see are the tears you shed for the 60 million unborn that were murdered since 1973. In fact, I know how much he remembers that because the Bible says in Psalms, it says, Psalms 56, 8, he collects your tears in a bottle. Tears are a powerful form of prayer. He says, I remember that. You shed tears over that. He remembers the courage that you took, the stand you took to not get the COVID vaccine because the Holy Spirit told you not to get the COVID vaccine. Or it's the reward because you were led by the Spirit to get the COVID vaccine because of the doctors and the things. And the, it's, all, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not trying to be whatever. I'm just saying be led, when you were led by the Spirit and you took a stand and you got attacked for it, that moves him. It's the little, it's a lot of, it's the little things. It's, who's on the camera back there? Aliana? He remembered, that's a cup of cool, that's, that's, she didn't, you know, he's saying, that moves me. That moves me, it moves me. When, um, you know, you're running the camera, it moves me when Sai back there. Sai's up here at 825 watering the plants out there. That, that moves Jesus' heart. Norm, Karen, McCutcheon, Patty, Sandstrom, Lane, Frazier. Norm's, I think you've been getting, some of you have been getting food for the food pantry for over 10 years. I can't even keep track. But those are those little small acts of obedience. Uh, they're the things we, things we do. We spend our time, the way we spend our money, the way, we, you know, the things we give in secret. I mean, I, I remember uh, we were at a church in Rockwall, Texas, and a, a young man, about a fifth grader, sixth grader, came to the Christian school and If I'm moved like this, I know how he is. But he came, and he had his glasses broken, and so he'd used uh, scotch tape because he was a, a ch three children, single mom, and he, he came with his glasses taped, and <clears throat> Suzanne came to me, and we were on both te 
Christian school teacher salaries, which is not much in whatever year that was. And she said, Glenn, I really feel like we're supposed to buy him new glasses. Well, you know, that, I said, did the Lord tell you to do that? Yeah. Well, those are the things we sit there and the devil's beating us up. He's like, you know when you did that thing? That moved me. That's what the Bema Seat's going to be about, is the ways we moved him. And you know what that does for me? That moves me to live today walking with him, saying, I'm completely yours. I want to be on path A, not to have a letter jacket and strut. I want to be on path A because I want to move your heart. So that's the first thing on the door when we walk in, to move his heart. Then you change the world by his grace and his mercy. So, yeah, well, I'm going to land the plane here. Um, Roman numeral four, the good news is the only, God's going to only, God's only going to evaluate you based on what he gave you. That is so helpful. He's going to evaluate you He's going to, based on what he has entrusted you with. You know, he gave you a certain amount of gifting. Every one of you, he gave you a certain amount of finance. He put you in a certain family setting. You were born in a certain country, to a, in a certain generation. He gave you a, a certain amount of emotional capacity and physical capacity. He knows your frame. And so he's not going to evaluate you based on what somebody else got. He's going to evaluate you based on what he gave you. And he won't ask anything of you beyond what he gave you. Paragraph A, he's not going to evaluate you by the size of your impact before people, but by the size of your heart response to him. You're, you know, you can be really popular before people. They can all clap for you saying, I'm evaluating you by your heart. And are you responding to me fully, path A, or are you responding to me with, with something less than that? That's how he's going to, I'm hoping I just sense that we're being encouraged. This is how he sees, you know, when I see how he sees me, changes everything. Yeah. Think about this. Don't be specific when you think of this, but think about the person generically with the least amount of beauty, least about a, amount of money, least amount of gifting, least amount of popularity, you know, all those things. But if they are responding to Jesus with all their heart, they're the ones that are going to have the greatest reward. They will have the greatest because they responded fully to what they were given. I call the judgment seat of Christ the great equalizer of life. He gave you a certain amount. It's what do we do with it? It's do we respond to it or not? Paragraph B, the other good news is he's not going to evaluate me based on what somebody else more gifted than me was given. He's not going to evaluate me, you know, I, I think I've caught myself. I think some of us might feel this way. You catch yourself going, you know, if I just had Billy Graham's gifting, I'd get more reward. Or if I just had 
Reinhard Bonnke's evangelistic, or if I had Bob Jones's or Chris Reed's prophetic gifting, or Bill Johnson's teaching gifting, or Marissa Vasquez's musical gifting, I'd get more reward. We don't think that way. The Lord doesn't want us to think that way. It's just you being faithful with what he entrusted you with. That's path A. And I believe the Lord's going to help us to be on path A today and the rest of this year. Marissa, could the worship team come up? I want to, uh, <clears throat> I want to read a story. I have some copies out there in the lobby, but I want to just read it here. It's a story from <clears throat> one of my favorite books, The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. It's about a man named Angelo. And I want to read this and just listen to this. It's Rick Joyner's reading this and Rick Joyner's having an encounter with the Lord. He says, I remembered the day when, as a young Christian, I had become frustrated with some issues in my life. I went out into the middle of a battlefield park near my apartment and determined that I would wait until the Lord spoke to me. As I sat reading my Bible, I was caught up into a vision, one of the first ones I'd ever had. In the vision, I saw a man who was zealously serving the Lord. He was continuously witnessing to people at the park, teaching the Bible, visiting the sick to pray for them. He was very zealous for the Lord and had a genuine love for people. Then I saw another man named Angelo. He was obviously a tramp or a homeless person. When a small kitten wandered into his path, he started to kick it, but he restrained himself. Though he still shoved it out of the way rather harshly with his foot, he did that. Then the Lord asked me, which of these men pleased him most? Which of these two men pleased me the most? He asked Rick. The first one, he said, without hesitating. No, the Lord said, the second one, Angelo. He responded and began to tell me their stories. He shared the first man had been raised in a wonderful family, which had always known the Lord. He grew up in a thriving church and then attended one of the best Bible colleges in the country. He had been given 100 portions of my love but he was using only 75. The second man, who had been born deaf, was abused and kept in the dark, a dark, cold attic until he was found by the authorities when he was eight years old. He'd then been shifted from one institution to another where the abuse continued. Finally, he was turned out on the streets the Lord had only given him three portions of his love to help him overcome all of this. But he had mustered every bit of it to fight the rage in his heart and keep from hurting that kitten. I now looked at that man, a king sitting on a throne, far more glorious than Solomon could have even imagined. Hosts of angels were arrayed about him, waiting to do his bidding, Angelo's bidding. I turned to the Lord in awe. I still couldn't believe he was real, much less one of the great kings. Lord, please tell me his story, I begged. Of course, 
the Lord said. This is why we're here. Angelo was so faithful with the little I had given him that I gave him three more portions of my love. He used all of that to quit stealing. He almost starved, but he refused to take anything that was not his. He bought his food with what he could make collecting bottles, and occasionally he found someone who would let him do yard work. Angelo could not hear, but he had learned to read, so I sent him a gospel tract. As he read it, the Spirit opened his heart and he gave his life to me. I again doubled the portions of my love to him from three to six, and he faithfully used all of them, all six of them. He wanted to share with to share, he wanted to share me, Jesus, he wanted to share me with others, but he could not speak. Even though he lived in such poverty, he started spending over half of everything he made on gospel tracts to give out on street corners. Well, how many people did he lead to you? Rick, Rick asked. I asked, thinking that it must have been multitudes for him to be sitting with the kings. How many did he lead to you? One, the Lord said. In order to encourage him, I let, I let him lead a dying alcoholic to me. It encouraged him so much that he would have stood on that corner for many more years to bring one more soul to repentance. But all of heaven was entreating me to bring him here quickly, and I too wanted him to receive his reward. But what did Angelo do to become a king here, I asked. He was faithful with all he was given. He overcame all until he became like me. And he died a martyr. But what did he overcome and how was he martyred? He overcame the world with my love. Very few have overcome so much with so little. Many of my people dwell in homes with conveniences that kings would have envied just a century ago, yet they do not appreciate them. Angelo, on the other hand, would so appreciate even a cardboard box on a cold night that he would turn it into a glorious temple of my presence. He began to love everyone and everything. He would rejoice more over an apple than some of my people do over a great feast. He was faithful with all that I gave him even though it was not very much compared to what I gave others, including you. Would you stand on your feet? Lord, would you help me? Help me to see how you evaluate. Help us. Just ask the Lord to help you in your your spiritual eye to see how he sees people. Lord, I repent for the westernized grading system of importance. Lord, I ask that today the release of the gift of encouragement would be released. Would be released in our lives to live each day. Responding with all you gave us not comparing ourselves with somebody more gifted or more popular, but Lord, just walking 
in gratitude to what you've given me. If you want to just agree with me, start, start you know, this, this day just to respond by saying, Lord, whatever parts of my life I've been on path B, I repent and I want to just fully get on path A. I just want to give some any of you an opportunity just to make that as an action step. Just come to the altar and say, I'm coming today. I'm, I'm signing up again today to be on path A, to live my life. Asking you to help me to say yes. Asking, yeah, Lord wants to tenderize our hearts to know who needs that cool cup of water. Lord, would you deliver us? Deliver me. I'm just talking to me, Lord, from professional Christianity. Lord, you wrote your word in the East, not in the West. Deliver us from westernized, watered-down worship. From a watered-down lifestyle we live so far below, Lord, what you've called us to live at because we see so little of you. So help us to see, to see you more, to see. And I thank you, Lord, I declare by faith that everyone within the sound of my voice, that when they come before you on that day, there will be much greater joy than regret. May, as I prayed in Orlando that day, I said, Lord, from this day on, may there not be one more piece of wood, hay, or straw accumulating to my account. Now, I know I have, but I said, Lord, I've got the rest of my life. I don't want any more to be there that would burn up. Just let the Lord, just let the Lord settle in and just let the Lord speak to your heart. I'm reassuring you. I've heard your yes. If you're coming back to the Lord today, you say, I'm giving my life back to him. I just like Pastor Nate, if you could stand up here and Kyle, if you could be aware of this, and anyone else, but just if you are saying, I'm coming back today or I'm coming to Jesus for the first time, I, I really see this. This is the Jesus I wondered if he really was this way and I want to come and give my life to him. Just as we worship, as we are a little over the set time, I just feel free to, to leave, but I want to just open the altar up for you to stay here before him. Just express your love for him. And, and I just declare over all of us today, I ask Holy Spirit for the grace to walk it out with one eye on the judgment seat. Thank you for the trophies that so many, and I, I just want to say this, there are so many in this room, and I'm not trying to be whatever, but I thank you for those people, so many I know. I believe they're going to get way more trophies than me in this room, and that's not whatever. But help us to see the trophies or how you feel about us tonight and tomorrow rest of our days. Let's worship the Lord. If you have any other prayer needs, just come up and
or ask someone to pray with you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.